0: Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast.
1: What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here, and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. Now, I like to test myself as an interviewer. Uh, I don't just want to interview people that are, you know, really well interviewed and used to interviews. I don't just want to interview people that do the podcast circuit that you've probably heard on other people's podcasts. Of course, there are some big names I'm trying to get, and we've had some great big names, and that's always going to be the case. Um, but this was my biggest test yet. As an interviewer, this was my hardest interview. Um, And the most fun, by the way. So the first thing I want to warn you is there is a massive amount of C words and expletives in this podcast. If there are children listening, you're going to need to turn this off. I know there's a lot of children that listen to my podcast. I'm sorry about that. That wasn't from my mouth. But um, this was a very raw podcast that we definitely want you to hear. Okay, so disclaimer out the way. So this interview is with Dom Jolly. So he's a British comedian. He's a writer. In fact, he's got about six or seven different things he's done. And he was a journalist. He sort of travels the world and documents his travels. Um, he's done a lot of things. Now, obviously, he was most famous for Trigger Happy TV, which was massive in the early 2000s. And um, yeah, you can tell that he's a bit of a prankster, although he hates that word prankster. Um, so this is like a completely off the wall podcast. I tried to sort of get him down little roads to, you know, capture some of the nuggets I u- usually like to capture in my podcasts. But he was like a slippery eel on Vaseline and we, you know, we just literally went all over the place. But I think in many ways you'll love that. This is not like any episode we've done before. Um, he talked about how a lot of his things in his life have been accidents or tests. Um, obviously he talked about how Trigger Happy TV was a worldwide hit and how he dealt with that. He gets pissed on the podcast. He was just drinking loads of wine. Um, he talks about his other work, like his writing, his other TV work, his podcasting. He has a podcast, um, you know, he talked about, um, how he only owns 6% of trigger happy TV, which I was shocked about. So I tried to explore the sort of the commercial side and owning your own brand and assets. We talk about the future of TV, of podcasting, of online streaming, um, He's very charming, very down to earth, very funny. Um, I would say um, you thought, Harry, didn't you, that this was the best interview? You like this was your favourite one. I came out of it and I felt like I'd been uh, like in a war. You know, I just I had to go and sleep for a week. Um, But we we had a great time. And I think you're going to love this. And it is very different. So please, no more long intro from me. Uh, Here is the interview with Dom Jolly. Yeah, this way. It's like a maze. I'm trying
0: to finish writing my book.
1: Is it is your third way? book? You've done more than one of you? Sixth book. Sixth, books, sixth then. book. We're here. Oh, really are,
0: yeah. So yeah. if you go here... I thought it was a book Yeah, it is. A <laughs> 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 I would have dressed up. You're right, you look great. I'm dead, i like a tramp. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, sure. On. Two camera shoot. That's more than most TV shows right there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we obviously don't have enough to do. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> There's big light in the background, Harry. That's all right, is it? For the live?
0: Yeah, yeah all right. Thank you. Have you. You've just launched a podcast, have you? Uh, yeah, well, I've sort of stopped it. I'm about to do another one. Sorry, I'll be right. Can I? Can I get another glass of that in like it's 10 minutes? In 10 minutes? Yeah, of course. Yeah? Ten Otherwise, minutes. I look like an alky with two no, glasses, it's okay. but yeah. I'm done. Thanks. <gasps> yeah, no, I do a, a podcast called Earworm. Yes. Which I was quite chuffed that no one had taking the name, but it's kind of basically just prank phone calls. But I kind of I got my favorite, one of my favorite uh, musicians, Baby Bird, who now just sits in his basement making about six great albums a week, and no one listens to them. And he gave me all his music, and so I sort of use that as a soundscape. And it's basically a way of making prank calls mm. more interesting. Yeah, yeah. So now it's good. Great. Yeah.
1: So before we go uh, live, is there anything you? don't want to talk about or particularly do want to talk about
0: i don't want to talk about incest okay. and uh that's that's trump. my script that's my script <laughs> for <laughs> then. incest and trump no I, whatever you want yeah yeah okay great
1: uh, what do you need to do guys
0: what do you mean live we're live live i'm, I'm going to do a live video
1: to my followers oh okay cool yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah but then you know just, no, that's fine yeah um and then this oh, is oh, Hello. Um, and well. this will be. YouTube, we'll right. do a YouTube video here, so but to that'll be edited. My podcast game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's our fourth year anniversary next is week, it?
0: isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. All right. Well done.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And who pays for it? Um, my companies.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. So you sort of self fund it. Yeah, or? we do I don't run any ads. You don't. No. So this is more like a byproduct that you enjoy doing, yeah. which brings other stuff. Yeah it's, yeah. it's sort of. I mean, for me, I just purely see it as a hobby. Yeah, but, it yeah, has, but you've got to pay for it. That's an expensive yeah, hobby, taking four people around. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. But, I, I mean, it has um, trickle-down really Yeah, yeah, of course, I get that. Money but you effect. need to kick
0: it off in the first place, don't you? Yeah. yeah. And so, what's your uh, reach? It's massive, isn't
1: it? Um, 2.3 million, I think.
0: Pretty good. Something like that. Is that real reach? Or is yeah. that the sort of reach that I say when I'm <laughs> pitching <laughs> pitching something online? Yeah, is on exactly, uh, when have pitched talk. ads which go, I think we've had an overall... View, you know, we've reached 360 million people, and you're like, yeah, but who actually listens yeah. to it? But yeah,
1: well, I think that's um, past and current subscribers, right? So it's probably not total existing subscribers. Yeah, of course, because yeah. there's be plenty of people that have cool. unsubscribed. But um, yeah, I think it's pretty real. No, it's good. Yeah,
0: right. All right, great. So you're all good. Yeah.
1: One take on mark.
0: Look at that clapperboard, knowing <laughs> <laughs> Fucking great. Hi, it's Rob Moore here,
1: and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. Cheers, Dom. Cheers. Thanks for giving up your
0: time. I'm not giving it up. You're giving me a break from doing work, ah, which is great. Although thank this you. This is work, technically. And this is like your office, really. I'd love it. to say this is my entire office, <laughs> but actually, this is the house that Superdry built. So we're in Cheltenham, which is my hometown. Yeah. And uh, this is 131 The Prom, which was set up by Julian Dunkerton, who set up Superdry. All oh, right. I mean, it's not quite as Brilliant as it sounds, but supposedly he, sounded, he started on a market stall and now Superdry is this massive mm. thing. Not quite that true, but it's yeah. a bit better than that. But, yeah, so he's he's built this, which is incredible. Like Normally when you come out of London, you're kind of thinking, I want to go to London, but actually this place is so nice. Mm. Um, I spend most of my time here. I've read my last three books here. Oh, just so up in the yeah. restaurant? Yeah. <laughs> and you, you don't find the distractions a problem when you… I love that. Yeah. I mean, normally yeah. I've got headphones on and I'm listening, but I really like… Uh, I like distractions when i 'm writing. I like watching it 's a real people yeah. watching place so I love that yeah it 's funny that isn 't it because I think some people when they write books they want to be completely isolated. I think people do it in completely different ways yeah. but i 'm really odd anyway like i can 't sleep if i don 't have something on in the background. I have to have speech on mm. i 'd like to say otherwise the voices come it 's not quite that bad, but it's it 's so I always have something on, and in my mind, I sort of wonder whether when I go to sleep, I kind of osmo stuff i don 't think so Yeah. But, yeah, so, so I, I always need stuff going on, really. I'm not very good in a really quiet place. But I know some writers want to go and live in a little yeah. cabin in the woods and, you know, nothing.
1: Mm. So is that, um, like audio books and information you
0: have on, or is that just storytelling, or is it what, music? at night, yeah. Uh, at night, it's always just uh, news, so it's LBC or Radio 4, or LBC And you just world leave service. it on and go to sleep. Yeah. I think it's because I grew up in Lebanon and, like, you always had World Service on in the background. Right. That would be like, I just, I, I like having stuff on yeah. the background, yeah.
1: So I've never told anyone this, and yeah. I never thought this interview was going to go this way, but... Wow, it's um, started so early. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Where'd you go? Let me have some of that. Yeah, go on. So, um, my mum and dad used to run pubs, mm-hmm. and they'd put the telly on, for me at night upstairs that's while the they were down. Sitter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at twelve o'clock, do you remember you got the sort of channel four where it went beep and yeah. there was a picture of a girl with some colours in the background. Yeah of course the classic. And, yeah. The, and, the test card. Exactly. And then after that it just went that to your friend. Well yeah, that was my um yeah, that was my baby yeah, yeah. And then after that it just, just you know all the interference white noise you get yeah, on yeah. TV. Oh
0: that's gonna fuck you up. Now
1: until twenty seven years old I used to sleep with that on at night. Because they didn't come up and turn it off. Yeah, and it it was really soothing
0: for me. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, so,
1: like, like it was actually three years pretty much in therapy, not... Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. coming off that, but like, if I had girlfriends and things, I'd have to go and put the telly on, because wait you know, for them to vo- You know, that's what they actually put on in Guantanamo to yeah, fuck yeah. people up. And heavy metal, which I also <laughs> like, yeah, that's right, right. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I've just revealed something I probably shouldn't, but... No, well, but that, no, But I can get that, how like... But that's good, that makes your brain work in a different way, Yeah, the nothing wrong with that. And it's it's like what you grew up with, you're, you're just unconsciously comfortable with.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I've got a very... I've got a very I'm actually very lazy but I've got a very active mind, like a fast mind and that doesn't mean I'm smart, it just means that I'm always like thinking about yeah. stuff and I think in a way that can be really good and really bad, mm. you know, like I think sometimes it allows you to come up with great ideas but sometimes you get swamped with stuff yeah. and I think I always need things going on and I don't think that's a great thing. I'd love just to be able to, I just went to India actually uh, for a long reason that I won't be bothered to talk about and went to my idea of hell which is... Doing sort of nothing. Like a, yeah, an ashram. Yeah. and It was like you weren't allowed phones and you're supposed to... The restaurant had no silence and stuff mm. and literally I nearly, I nearly died. Yeah. It was just like yeah. I couldn't do it. Yeah, it's I funny. I need stuff going on. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. Yeah. I didn't... I thought I was the only weird one. Well, I was, think a lot of people...
1: I don't like holidays. I don't like um, no, not seeing right.
0: and getting tanned. No, No, well, that's my whole... I mean, I wrote a book called The Dark Tourist, which is all about when I go on holiday, I just... I mean, relaxing on holidays. I can't do that. No. I need to have something to do that's why my idea of a good holiday is to go to North Korea or go to Chernobyl for the weekend. It's like, that is, yeah. I, I need something to do. So, yeah. yeah. And so you like exploring and things like I that? I just, yeah, like, I'm just interested in stuff, basically. Mm. Yeah. I'd love to be able to relax. Yeah. Like, all I want to do is just chill and do Lana Beach, but I just, mm. I'd go mental, I think. Mm. And do you think that's one of the reasons why you write so many books? You've done six, have you? Or you're doing your sixth? I'm on my sixth now. Well, actually, that's a very lazy. I mean, I'm 50, so that's not that many, but I only started writing books. I mean, I do lots of different things. Yeah. That's my problem. It's, I've, I've actually, So I'm a jack of. You know, it's like, uh, I'm a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, Mm. and that really is, like, what sums me up. Like, when I grew up, I remember my dad telling me that he was really disappointed because I left a job when I was, like, 23 or whatever, and he said, oh, you know, you can probably leave a job once, but that's it. Like, after that, you'll never get a proper job. And he came from that generation where yeah, but he, was, for he life. was speaking his truth. Yeah, it's yeah. just a different world. Yeah, isn't of course. It? Yeah. And that was like when you just had a job for life and you stuck at it. Mm. And I remember reading a thing ages ago, thinking that people that were going to survive in the future were the people that would be able to change jobs every yes. six months yeah. and do it. And that mm. is kind of true now. Yeah. That's what happens. But I've never really found a job that I like, but I found lots of different things I like doing. Mm. So part of me wishes I'd just committed to something. But on the other hand, I love like doing different things all the time. Yeah. Since Trigger Happy happened, it's opened up. I never know. Part of me worries all the time. I don't know what I'm going to do next year. I don't know how I'm going to earn my money. I haven't got a pension, but then also I think I love that. I've no idea what I'm going to do. Like, Mm. literally, if you'd told me this time last year what I'd be doing, I'd I'd just say you're mental. I just spent New Year's Eve in fishnets on stage in Brighton (laughs) playing the narrator in the Rocky Horror, which is Mm. like, in a musical, like everything about me, an ex-goth, I can't dance, like, that's my idea of hell, but it was Mm. brilliant. So I love that. Yeah. So there's that paradox
1: between you love the variety, but you also fear not having the stability and the security.
0: It's exactly that, which mm. I think is what happens to most people. You, you make that trade-off. You know, I remember when I we was doing Trigger Happy, we used to be doing a late shoot and we'd go over the bridge and you'd see everyone coming over a bridge in London to work. And you'd think, oh, look at us, we're crazy. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're not, you're going to work, you're all sheep. And yeah. then I think, well, actually, it'd be quite nice to know yeah. that you've got nine to five and you've got a proper, but it would bore me as well. Mm. So when I do have something that's stable, I get really bored. But then when I don't have it, I get really worried because I've got to look after my kids and stuff. Yeah. But it's all grumbles. I mean, like, yeah. it's great. Basically, since I was 30, I've never woken up once and thought I don't want to go to work. Although, you know, like, I've Which always liked what I wanted. That's what you want, isn't yeah. it? If you can earn your living doing what you love. Yeah. Because I remember, again, my dad used to say, You used to earn your money so that you can go off on holiday or mm. do stuff. And I used to think, But you spend all your time at work. Like, I want my well, work, I can't work to, to be a holiday. Yeah. yeah a, well, mm. not a holiday. Well, it is a holiday, but mm. I want my work to be what I like. But yeah. that's a very. Rare thing. That's only happened with your generation, my generation, like before. That wasn't an option, really, mm. unless you were just loaded anyway. Yeah. And then you just went on heroin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um how do you then
1: make that transition from one career to another? How do you decide to go and do rocky horror? I decide decide to, you know, a bit of fun politics, a
0: bit of journalism, a bit of writing, a bit of radio, because in podcasts that you I think do. It's, I think it's part of my problem is that I don't say no. I kind of. I feel I'd like a go at everything because how do you know that you're good at something unless you do it Mm. and the problem is that having had no offers like the moment you something like Trigger Happy happens it opens so many doors and so for instance I was offered to write for a newspaper now I know that I was offered to write for the indie because I was Dom Jolly from Trigger Happy but I also know that I wouldn't have written for them for 15 years if I couldn't write yeah so that was all right that I that was something I could do but then I've said yes to loads of things and just thought, what am I doing? I'm terrible mm. at this. So sometimes you do like say, yes, you need to really, if you're really good, you decide, you're sort of fixed at it. But my problem is that I suddenly think, oh, I've run out of money. Someone offers me something. I think, right, I'll do that. Mm. And sometimes it's terrible, but it pays well. Yeah. And sometimes the thing you're really good at doesn't pay well. And it's sort of fine if you're on your own, but if you've got kids and a wife, sometimes you've got to do terrible things. Sure, bitch, got to pay rent. So yeah, Moran wants <laughs> said. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people see the commercial side as dark and evil and all that, Fuck that but shit. it's not, I is mean, it? Well, it is. I mean, you know, like Bill Hicks. I don't like stand-ups. Like, I'm not into comedy particularly. But Bill Hicks basically said, you know, if you do anything for money, you're sucking the devil's cock. That right. was his yeah. his his stance, and he's quite so right. How, how do we survive then in a capitalist society? If but you... it's not that. But I've never set you know like so when i did trigger happy and then i did an ad someone goes oh man you've sold out i go well probably sold out but i never set myself up as someone that was like that anyway so a good example of that is john Lydon from sex pistols you know that like sex pistols were all punk and all that mm. stuff so for him it is difficult suddenly so to see him doing a butter ad you know and you're yeah. like and and he's like i didn't sell out i go well yeah but you did set yourself up as punky i never set myself up as that. I just want to I want to have a good time all the time in the world yeah. of Nigel Tufnell. So, mm. yeah. And is there an argument, actually, that
1: um, good art and good creativity is where you're able to do what you do,
0: love what you do, and make a living doing what you do? See, that's a really interesting thing, because I think good art comes from hunger. Uh, because, for instance, the, the taking money, I don't give a shit about. Like, If you look at old masters, like old painters, for mm. instance, they would all be paid by a, a, a mentor or whatever to... Pay you know paint some portrait of whoever for a vast amount of money, and that would pay for them to then do the stuff they want to do. Yeah. For me, I look at money, like if I take an ad or something like that, that pays my bills so that I can actually do the stuff I want to do. Yeah. Because if I'm having to do the stuff I want to do and pay the bills, unfortunately it doesn't, because what mm-hmm. I want to do is quite odd, and it doesn't pay the bills. Yeah, But I also think that if you get too much money or you're getting just used to that money, you lose your hunger, you get lazy. I certainly suffer from that. I had ten years where I made a lot of money, and I just did fuck all. I just mm. why did I need to? And I just did the occasional reality show, and I went travelling, and I've I had a brilliant life. Yeah, but I did shit work, mm. and then suddenly some money ran out, and it made me hungry again. And it made me think, you know what? You got to really think about this. You're just going to take money to do stuff you don't particularly like, but just to carry on, or what are you going to do? Like I'm get to fifty, so anything I want to do stuff I really want to do. Mm. So. I think hunger is a really important thing. I think poverty is really important. Yeah. It's all relative poverty, but I think that's what really makes you do great stuff. Mm. Could you also create that where it's
1: maybe not necessarily hunger in a financial sense, but it's hunger in a need, a desire, a
0: motivation sense, or a wanting to be known, or a wanting to do great work? I th- yeah, I think it's the great work thing. I mean, I'm really, I'm in a really odd situation because I'm, I happen to be really good at the at the least respected part of comedy. So Hidden Camera, which is what, you know, pranking, or mm. I hate that word, pranking, but Trigger Happy essentially is a hidden camera show. Yeah. Now, when I grew up, Hidden Camera was, well, it had candid camera, which you could argue was the inventor of reality TV and actually was very surreal early on, but then became very lazy and golf jokes. And then I grew up with things like Beatles About, which you're probably too young to remember. I remember, yeah. All that kind of stuff. And Hidden Camera was just shit. I mean, it really was. And even things like Jackass, it was, it was... Jackass came after Trigger, but it, it was just basically loud people doing stupid stuff. And I know most people who haven't seen Trigger Happy think it's all about me shouting into a phone. Mm. And I kind of like that, and the phone thing was okay. But I put it for the credits, because that was not what Trigger Happy was about. To me, it was about doing hidden cameras and art form. It's ad-libbing. It's It's improv, which is a terrible word. I hate improv, because it makes you think you're John Sessions stuck in a lift, or... You know, it's not, but if you look at all the great shows in America, like Curb Enthusiasm, great films like Spinal Tap, those are all improv. Those are all things where you start with a very limited, no script, and then just riff off it. Mm. Here, there's nothing you can do with it. Mm. But I'm really good at doing things like Trigger Happy, but it's not respected. So it is odd when you think about, do you want to be well-known? I kind of gave up after a bit, because Trigger Happy I thought was brilliant, and I put all my life into it, like, two, three years, everything about it. I edited it, chose all the music, did everything. And people were like, who wrote it? Or And I'm like, what do you mean, who wrote it? Like, (laughs) A, no one wrote it, but B, how do you think I can write something where I'm about to bump into someone in the street? Because So I don't think people appreciate it, and I thought, oh, fuck this. I'll just go and have a good time. And then Mm. actually now I've come back to think, do you know what? Trigger Appy kicked off a whole lot of hidden camera shows that were shit, Mm. and most of them were faked. That's what really irritated me, because you have to fake a lot if you've got a limited time to make it done. And so now I'm coming back to thinking, you know what, it's been 20 years, basically, since Trig happy started, hidden camera is the biggest comedy form in the world. If you look at all those clips you see online on Facebook, mm. on, and, and you kind of love them, you don't even know who's done them, there's something from Russia, there's something from Brazil, and no one's claimed that and said, this is where if you want to be the hidden camera guy, this is where you're going to be. So I've set up a company called Shady Cabal. And that's the idea I'm going to do is kind of go, well, you know what, no one's grabbed this format. So I'm gonna say this is where you come and do it, yeah. and that's what I'm gonna try and do. So almost like a renaissance of your art form? I think so. Yeah. I, I just you see, I never thought of it as an art form. It's something I'm just born with that I can do and no one else treats it as an art form. But mm. actually it's such a big thing, it annoys me that people don't it, it's it's often done so badly, yeah, or it's faked, or it's just shit mm. and lowest hanging fruit. But when it's done really well it's a really difficult clever thing to do mm. and uh, i kind of want people to appreciate that not necessarily for my stuff yeah. but just for the really good stuff i want people to see the difference between that. Mm. so a couple of things would be good to talk about in there
1: so the first thing is you said great art there needs to be some kind of hunger so yeah.
0: did, what was your hunger that created trigger um it wasn't a hunger it was total luck that created trigger i was I was doing a serious job. I was working at ITN. I was a political producer. I was being sent out to do the sort of junior interviews. I'd go out on the college green, you know, in front of Big Ben and get interviews of people. And it was so boring, and I no was watching this shit. So I thought, well, I'll just get people to do stuff in the background. It was just for my enjoyment, really. So yeah. I'd get friends. So we did Paddy Ashdown, and I got some friends to dress up as clowns and have a fight in the background. Mm. And ITN saw this, and they were like, this is amazing. Yeah. Like, while we're having this boring chat with Paddy Ashdown there's clowns fighting, so they put that up. And then I had David Mellor on, who was Secretary of State for Culture or whatever, mm. and we we're talking about football hooliganism, and I got some friends to play football in the background, and they kicked a the football and it smacked him right in the face. So again, everyone loved that. And so suddenly, like, all these stories started kicking off, and they realized that I was setting them up, so that I was fired from ITN. Yeah. And I thought, well, I really, I much more enjoyed doing that sort of stuff than serious stuff. So I started doing my own thing, and that's what it was. It was really just, how can I earn a living mm doing things that doesn't feel like earning a living. Mm. Like, I just want to have fun. I get a real kick out of doing odd stuff and stirring stuff up, not in a political way, just in a really pathetic way. Mm. The Trigger Happy was just came from, I don't know, just someone paid me to do what yeah. comes naturally really. Mm. Like we all get pissed in a pub, most of us, and have an idea. And I'm sure everyone hasn't had the idea Right, tomorrow I'm going to dress as a snail and crawl really slowly across the road and see if things stop. But you have an idea. You think, oh, wouldn't that be funny? And you all have a laugh and you forget about it. Suddenly I was in a situation where I would suddenly have this idea and I could ring someone up. And the next morning, well, not next morning, but a week later, there'd be a snail costume and we could go and do it. Yeah. So I, I guess you just perpetuate that. You make mm. your own, you know, reality. Yeah. Man, whatever that means. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So something I love to try and do is, is work out what people have done that's worked for them or um something that they've done that can inspire others and you know you mentioned i was just born with it an hour to do it prank yeah. prank type stuff you know it was just luck but i'm not sure it is uh, it's half
0: luck half not yeah so when i say i'm born with it uh for me so this is so odd so people from people assume from what they know of me that i could just go and do a best man speech for instance that's my idea total hell like standing out yeah. as dom jolly Doing that I'm honestly I hate doing that sort of thing, mm. but I find it really easy to get in a snail suit and crawl slowly across a, a, a street, for instance, and people staring at you, and everyone goes, "Oh, I don't know how you could do it." And mm. I go, "Because if it was just if I did that for no reason at all, I'd be a mental patient. Like if I just decided <laughs> to dress up as a snail and crawl across Cheltenham, mm. you'd be mental. Mm. But even though it looks to other people like a mental, I know I'm doing it because there's a higher purpose that." I'm filming it and it's going to be really funny. That's absolutely fine. So I always thought, well, I don't find that very difficult to do. Yeah. So I didn't see it as a skill or a talent. But then I realized that some people just wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. So I realized that it's not a talent, but it's like something I do particularly like to do. Yeah. But I think the most important thing about making your life is it is luck, but you've got to pounce on that luck. Like you get moments, like most of us don't really know what we want to do or where we're going. But occasionally you've got yourself by chance into a situation where that lucky moment, say you meet someone and you think, oh, it could work. But that's the moment where you've got to make your luck. Like you just get given those certain moments and you've got to pounce on it. So it is a combination of luck, but also them thinking, I think more importantly, it's like knowing what you want to do. The people Mm. I'm really jealous of are the people who at 16 thought that is what I want to do and i'm going to dedicate my life to doing it and i bet they're jealous of you and the freedom and well, it's the autonomy. Weird. And I mean in the same field that i'm in, Sasha Baron Cohen's a great example. Now i knew Sasha, we both started off at uh, Paramount comedy mm. channel together. Sasha even at Cambridge knew what he wanted to do, knew that comedy was what he wanted to do. I never knew i'd do comedy. Yeah, I, I was like i wanted to be a writer, i wanted to be a foreign correspondent, i wanted to i did all this stuff. Fell into Trigger Happy and then Oh, it was like it was big, but then I was like, oh, do I want to do that? Sasha was like, right, this is what I want to do. Mm. I did that. The moment it becomes big, move to America. I got offered to go to America to do a trig happy. I was like, oh, I don't know, you know. And he's single-minded about mm. it. Now part of me thinks, I love the fact that I've had this weird life, but there's another part of me thinking, I wish I'd just dedicated everything I've done since I was 16 to one art form. But but you can't, you know, it's up to you. You don't yeah. know whether it's right or wrong. No. But make you gotta make you gotta know when to make your luck. Yeah. That's the point. Mm. No one's lucky. You're lucky to an extent, but you've got to act on that as well. Yeah, yeah I agree. You must that. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. And I You can probably spot moments where if you hadn't done something, it could have completely gone the other way. Yeah. It's that sliding doors thing. Yeah. There's about six moments where I think, fuck, if I hadn't got into that room on that day. I don't know what else would have happened, yeah. but it would have, it's very weird. Mm. And that's very difficult to give people as advice because, of, of course, you don't know, do you? No, you don't. I think
1: what you can do is keep looking yeah. without losing your enthusiasm or desire. And because some people just
0: give up, don't they? That's terrible. Yeah. yeah the but ne- then you give up. You don't give up because you lose your desire. You just give up because of reality. Like it's fine to pursue whatever it is you want to do when you're 25 and you've got no kids and mm. a while. You can do what you want. Yeah. But then suddenly, if you've got, responsibilities like i used to look at bands and think how can a band like how can some singer make this amazing album and then fucking make shit mm. and then you realize that well, if you dedicate your entire life to something it's gonna be good yeah. but then say you get married you have two kids yeah you're sitting on planes all the time or whatever yeah, or yeah or but you're... then suddenly your life you can't dedicate yourself to it yeah your life starts to become more complicated than that so the weird thing about getting to 50 now which i am mm. is i think i've come out of that in a funny way and now you can your kids, are, you know, my girl was upstairs, she's 18. Yeah. yeah. And I suddenly think, oh, now I can start to come back to think, right, what do I really want to work at? Mm. It is tricky. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I
1: think as well as keeping looking for yeah. the opportunities, I think when you get one, you've got to double down on it. And I think and you've got go to...
0: go for it. Yeah, but again, that's really difficult, isn't it? Because people sort of say, there's that terrible moment on things like Dragon's Den where these horrible... Fucking multimillionaires just sit there teasing, you know, people with dreams and say things like, if I invested in you now, would you give up your job tomorrow? And you're like, fuck you, no. Yeah. Like, and they're like, Well, if you're not if you're not committed to it, how can you do it? And it's like, but that's easy for you to say, because mm. you've got fifty million quid in the bank, but yeah. people have got to pay stuff. So it is a really tricky thing to do. But I think you have to go with your gut.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, I um I think I agree with you to a
1: certain degree. At the same time. I guess you wouldn't want anyone. I, I certainly wouldn't want anyone to give up on whatever their dreams are. No, and not I at all. I wouldn't ever ever want anyone to think, okay, well, my life's difficult. My, the realities of having kids, so I'm just gonna like kick the can down the road, or I'm not. Oh, gonna I'm do not saying next that at year. all. Yeah. But I'm
0: just saying that's why. You know, obviously, the solution when you're really wanting to go for something is to put everything into one thing. Yeah. But I'm just saying that's why sometimes people don't do it. Yeah. Because it's not just about them. No, it's, it's about. Not. A wife who probably doesn't share your dream of, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. you being whatever it is. And, and that's a really difficult thing to do. Mm. I still think you should do it. Yeah. But that's why people don't. And I mm. totally understand that. Yeah. I mean, often when you're quite comfortable and you've got a lot to lose, it's harder to take the of risk, course it is, it? Which is why a lot of things happen when you're younger. when yeah. It's just you and you're cocksure and you you haven't like fucked up Mm. but that's why it's much more fun when you're older because it's like go for it yeah you've got like a second go but with more experience but the experience like you know I had so many moments where I was like fuck if I just (laughs) go through that again and I knew what I knew then I'd love to have another go at it and actually weirdly I I am having another go at it now and it's just as difficult Mm. and you're gonna make difficult different decisions but it is really nice to have learned something and know something about it. But I'm learning about something that I didn't really know was a skill anyway. I mm. mean it's really odd. Mm. So there's something else you said. We're trying to pick out all these yeah. little gems is sorry, I'm just renting. No, no, that. it's yeah. great. It's great.
1: Just wait so, till I get my second glass of wine, though. Like really <laughs> am wait until I start question one. You <laughs> no, never, maybe no, not. Just Come been. on, ask some questions. Um because so, I do think like it, the, in the American entrepreneur scene yeah there's a lot of big influencers saying you know 10x hustle work 20 hours a day lunches for losers and uh, I, I don't I, like a lot of that because that that's fine if you're 19 and you're living with your mum and yeah, you've got yeah, yeah. no rent and you know all that you've got to be practical yeah you not you're, helping me if yeah. you're 43 with two kids or if you're 60 and you're looking in your next and career and you've got a great idea but you think oh but that's going to take me my whole life yeah, yeah, yeah so I think I agree with you in that you know, not everything is, is as easy as just working hard. But I want to part that because there is some
0: smart thinking I think someone can do. The 10,000 hours thing, I think, is important. Mm. You, know, you know that. Yeah, thing, yeah. yeah. I mm. think that's true. But again, the 10,000 hours thing only comes when you get to a certain age because mm. you've got to get there. Mm. I think once you've dedicated 10,000 hours to something, you're probably fucking good at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But how do you do that when you can't dedicate 10,000 hours? Mm. Yes. So I'm like the practical... Uh, entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm like so really
1: podcast. I'm the reasonable yeah, entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. I'm the
0: realistic entrepreneur. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's horrible.
1: <laughs> yeah, but but these things should be talked about of because course. there is a lot of hype, rara, what, whatever. But one thing you did say, which I think is great, it's a great question to ask is, use. And you said, I think in these words, how can I have fun and make a living out of it? Yeah. Surely that's the question we should keep. Asking ourselves because if you keep asking yourself that and you keep searching and okay You've got to do some ads and get a job and you know, what was it the um the Bill Hicks?
0: What the quote of t- oh, something you, of the devil? Well, if you do anything for the money, you're sucking the devil's cock. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay That's So crap.
1: yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't necessarily agree with that No, um, because I think you can turn your passion into your profession like you can. have and you've got to finance it yeah. yeah, but sometimes it's okay to do something. You don't love to fund something you of do. Course. Yeah But if you keep asking, how can I have fun doing something I love and make a living out of it? Surely that's a decent quest for us to all have.
0: I think it is because to me, the only truth I know is that whether it's because I'm lazy or because I'm I don't know, is that I'm really good at things that I really love. Yeah. And and if I'm not, if I don't really love it, I'm not really good at it. But I'm doing it maybe for the money or whatever. Mm. Now, that comes back to my dad's sort of theory of like, well, you're lucky if you can get a job you like. Like, you just have to get a job, yeah. you have to work. And I'm like, I think things have changed now. Mm. Like, and, it, and it's about, and that's why I'm really jealous of the early you can find what you like. yeah, It's great. If you know what you want to do, that's great. I had no idea what I no. wanted do until I was 30. Mm. And even then I fell into Trigger happy, and I was like, well, actually, do I really want to be hidden camera? Because look, I'm 50 now. Do I really want to be dressing as a squirrel? Yeah, It's not a great look. You know, like, you've mm. got to think of something mm. else. So it's about finding what it is yeah. you like and you're good at. And then thinking, well, what's the best way that I can make that into something that I can live with and really mm. do well with? Mm. But I don't know what the answer to that is.
1: No, I mean, I guess everyone's got their own answer, yeah. haven't they? but I guess it doesn't matter whether you're 15, and 60 going into a new career or you're 18 or you're 35. I think you've got to keep asking. Yeah, um, because I, I didn't find what I wanted to do till I was, what, 25, 26. I, I didn't even ask the question from the age 15 to 26, just chased women and got drunk. Um, when that's I was, what I want to do, but haven't Yeah, Yeah, how do you make right? money yeah. out of that? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That might be a concept yeah. for a show. Yeah. Um, cool, so we're out to jump in and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, look, this is just a chat anyway, but... This is great, um, proper questions. Man. One thing I did kind of want to get into is, how does one get into doing pranks for a living?
0: Okay, I hate pranks. I, I hate know you hate that word, so that but word. like... How do you get into it? Well, what's, your, what's your word for pranks that's better? Hidden well, camera. I don't, I, I don't, but I call it hidden camera. Yeah. Pranks to me are just uh, whatever. But yeah. I'm, I'm just being snobby about it. Mm. Um, well, now it's really easy. I mean, when I started, like, if how did you get into it? Well, I got into it because I was really lucky. Literally, almost the year that I realised that that's the sort of thing I like doing, technology changed so that a year before I would have had to hire a professional cameraman, a sound man. And then I'd have to pay them vast amounts of money to follow me around to do something mm. that was very unstructured. And I'd be a bit embarrassed because they'd be older, you know. And then suddenly, when I it happened to me, it was a bit like punk. It, it, to me, it was the equivalent of suddenly people could buy a guitar for 100 quid, mm. go in their garage and just, you go, fuck, I don't have to be Richard Clayderman. I can just play. Yeah. And, and it freed us up. And we bought a camera. Mm. It was a Sony, I don't know what it was, but it it was a... First three chip camera you could buy for a grand, and we bought that camera. Me and Sam, and that's what we made all of Trigger happy on. Now looking back, it was terrible, but it gave me the freedom to go and experiment. So, totally forgotten your question. No, just how how does one get into it? So now, so I'd say at those days it was really difficult, and that Mm. allowed me. Like if I'd have gone in and tried to do it, they'd have said, "Who the fuck you? Piss off!" Yeah. But we just filmed and filmed and filmed, and in the end, we had something they couldn't refuse because it was clearly funny. Yeah. Now. I think it's a lot easier because you've got YouTube now. If if I was doing it, I'd just make my own stuff on one of these cameras and I'd put it on YouTube and I'd learn and then basically the market speaks for itself. Like if you put it up on YouTube and you start getting loads of hits, you're a fucking hit. Mm. So I don't think that I don't think you even need to ask that question. I don't think there's anyone out there saying, "Hmm, how can I make pranks?" I mean, that's all people do on Mm. the fucking internet. Mm. What? I would say, is how do I make good pranks? Mm. How do I make stuff that's actually interesting? So, so if that's a better question, yes, can, you, can you answer it? How <laughs> yeah. do you make good? Well, I think your... you do that if you've got a brain, because I think I think comedy's weird. I think there is a snobbery in comedy, and people think, if I've got a certain amount of brain, if I've got a certain IQ, then I must do script, and I must like do sitcoms and stuff. Mm. Whereas I think it's kind of for exhibitionists who do pranks and do hidden camera stuff, and I'm like, if you're a smart person out there, don't think I've got to write a sitcom, because sitcoms to me are they're a dead format anyway. Telly's dead, like, is not gonna exist in five, six years' time. Mm. The idea that you go and just watch whatever someone's chosen on channel four, that's, just, that's already pretty yeah. much dead. It's all gonna be like a big eye play. you just need to produce the content, yeah. and sell it to someone, and you don't even need, in my day, I had to get someone to pay me, I had to get someone to pay to allow me to make it. Now, mm. the cameras are good enough, if you've got good enough ideas, you've got to do it over and over again. So I would say what you need to do is, is get your own filter. Yeah. So you need to make so much of this stuff that you're aware what's crap. Because I've made so much shit when we were doing Trig Happy the first two years. Mm. We just filmed and filmed and filmed. And so much of the stuff was crap. How did you work out what was good and what was crap? You just knew. There's a big difficulty when you're making pranks. And I'm going to use the word because you do. <laughs> is that It's an adrenaline rush. Yeah. Right? There is a real adrenaline rush about doing something. It's a bit like being a bank robber. There were moments when you've set something up and you look down the street and Sam and I used to look at each other, who I made Trigger happy with, and we used to think, this is such a rush. Like, this whole street is all going on and no one knows, but we know we're about to do something pathetic (laughs) that's going to change the whole street. And it kind of gave you a bit of a God symptom. You were like, oh, I love this. Yeah. So, and, and then when you do something and you go in and it's funny, like the rush is amazing. And you think, oh my God, that's so brilliant. That's so great. But the real test is you take it back and you just watch it in an edit suite or you watch it on your telly at home yeah. with people that weren't there. Mm-hmm. And without that adrenaline rush, is it funny still? Yeah. And I think that's what I learned after a bit was, okay, I'd always get the rush because it's a real adrenaline rush. But also you're thinking, okay, is this genuinely good? Because sometimes I do something and it was like, right, that's it. Great. Let's fuck off. Yeah. And, and sometimes you think, okay, that was great, but we can do it better. Yeah. And it's difficult because you get that adrenaline burn and you get a crash and stuff. Mm. So self-editing is really important. Yeah, doing lots of it. Just it's again, it's the ten thousand hour thing. Yeah. Because Sam and I just filmed and filmed and filmed. I don't know if we did ten thousand hours, but it felt like it. Mm. And you just got to know what's good and know yeah. what works. And then even things like pranks are a bit like hidden, uh, like a great standout. I used to, you know, one of the things you look at with stand like Eddie Izzard. You think, oh my god, it's amazing. He just he's starting on something and then he just riffs, mm. and that's so amazing. And then after a bit, you're as these aren't fucking riffs. No, this is a he model. He knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. But the skill is to make the riff look like it's yeah. it's like he's just thought of it. Mm. And that's what I never understood. So I used to go on shows like Have I got news for you and stuff and think I'm not going to do any research. I need to riff this. Yeah. And then you think none yeah. of and these material. fuckers are riffing yeah. it. So if you're a stand-up, whether you've tried it or not, you just over the time you know that you have certain things that if you get in trouble, you can just go to that emergency yeah. riff. And it's about learning that sort of stuff. And that makes you better when you're improving and, and doing pranking and stuff. Mm. So it sounds to me like.
1: Just, just get out there and yeah. do it. Out just out do film
0: it. the shit yeah. out of it.
1: Quality, sorry, quantity,
0: not just. Oh, it's all yeah. about quantity at the beginning. Yeah. Because you'll work out. Because again, you'll start off copying what you've seen. Mm. And that, what's the point? It's yeah. like being in a cover band. Who gives yeah. a fuck if mm. you can play. You know, what someone else played. If you can play yeah. Nirvana, better Nirvana. You're not Nirvana. No. So fuck it. Just yeah. find your own voice. That's the yeah. most important thing. So keep doing stuff, find what makes you laugh. And then the most important thing is when people go, That's not funny, I fucking hate that. Yeah. Comedy is subjective. Yeah. Like, so I don't care if you don't find it funny. I not there are lots of things I don't find funny, but I've seen people nearly die laughing watching. Yeah. So you have to trust your own instincts. Mm-hmm. If you start to think What's the thing that will appear, if you start to yeah. get all demographic on it, Ooh. you're fucked. Yeah, You can only think, I've got to do what makes me and maybe the person you're doing laugh. Yeah, And you've got to just trust that other people won't find it funny. Mm. But if you're trying to second guess, you're fucked anyway. Sure.
1: Is there a certain amount, because it said you said when you've done it and you're editing it, you know, you get other people to watch it. Can yeah. there be a certain amount of myopia or delusion where you think it's hilarious but no one else does? Have you got to be careful that doesn't with that? Matter
0: because the worst thing you can do is have comedy by committee because, right. yeah. I mean, that's in fact what happened with trigger Happy. Trigger Happy, no one knew who the fuck we were. Yeah. We were totally left alone. We made it totally as we wanted to. Right. It was perfect. Yeah. Now, whether you like it or not, it was what we wanted. Yeah. The worst thing is then when after trigger Happy and we were a hit, we went to the BBC, me and Sam, and suddenly all these people turned out of nowhere and you're kind of trying to play the game yeah. and you find people going, change that, change that, and you end up with, seven different people's idea of what's funny Mm. and nothing. It's like whoever designed the fucking interior of the Eurostar, yeah? Yeah. They were like, we need something that appeals to everyone. They end Mm. up with a grey and yellow interior. It's like, what is that? I prefer something, it it needs to be your voice, Mm. basically. So don't listen, be a cunt. I mean, that is actually <laughs> a massively important yes. thing. Should when we, people say... This to be the
1: quote for well, the... Um... Please,
0: be a cunt. Because <laughs> when, when people say... Often, sometimes people are cunts. And, and they are horrible. Yeah. And to me, if you're a cunt in show business, it's the way you treat people who are not important to you. Like the people behind the camera or on the way up. And there are people like that. But when people say someone's difficult or people are like perfectionists, it's like that's because... If they're not, no one else is going to mm. fucking be. I took my foot off the pedal with a couple of things, and suddenly, like, just morons who have no idea what we're doing did mm. it for their reasons. So yeah. you have to be a cunt right. sometimes to, to get that, what you how, want. How but how does that, that doesn't mean you treat people like a no, cunt. No, of course. That's so. the difference. Sorry to okay. be a cunt. No, no.
1: So, yeah. <laughs> so how does one define that word when you're saying be one of those? How...
0: Be a monster sometimes. Yeah. Like
1: I, I think. Do you it, mean? If, do you it, mean obsessive about your art and the outcome yeah, that you want? Yeah. Uh, Keep a com- diva. Make totally. like being. Do you know what? Diva's a great word.
0: So here's the great example. What's the classic example of like show business diva behavior? It is uh, um, Van R- Van Halen supposedly on their tour rider you know you have a rider yeah yeah, yeah. and they asked that there'd be no blue m m's yeah in their it's the famous it's one, the famous yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know why that is why it's the most brilliant story yeah so these they basically would give a full rider for where they're going they yeah. don't know where the fuck who's setting up their electronics who's setting up their lights mm. you know they might be electrocuted yeah the sound yeah. might not be good they have this full rider and one of the tiny bits of their rider was in the dressing room There needs to be a bowl of M&M's with no blue M&M's. Now everyone goes, oh my God, they're out of control. That's all they want. Actually, it just meant that Van Halen or Lee Roth would walk into the dressing room. And if there was a bowl, and if they had taken the blue M&M's out, it meant that everything else in their rider had been dealt with. They probably could trust the sound. They could trust that. Mm. So actually, that was an incredibly smart move. Mm. But it's also the epitome of being a monster. So I'm not saying be... A Monster in, in just for ridiculous ways, but it's about keep if you really love what you do keep fucking obsessive control yeah. over it yeah. and I'm sorry. That's not ego. That's not like oh my god. No one else find it funny It's like I could listen to someone else But then you've got a, you just got to go with what you, you trust mm. So obsessive about how you
1: want your piece of art to be yeah, but otherwise it's not but art. Don't, You don't have to be an asshole to everybody it, around. No, you. No, that's the
0: point yeah, yeah. be obsessive about your your product yeah. But be nice to the people that are helping you do that. Mm. It's really simple. Yeah, I mean, now you're going to get someone go. you're a wanker to me. Probably was, I was in a bad mood, but I'm mm. not. I really, you know, a lot of people that work for me come back mm. and work, uh, and I, I've i been a runner. I've made sandwiches for people in edits. You know, I know when people are being cunts, and yeah. it's normally when they're not talented. Sorry, mm. I'm using that word again. I oh, know, that's sorry. Like it's, a bit, it's a bit word. late to say sorry for it now. Well I'm sorry, but I'm it's that an important it's all, word Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it, it sums it up, like, yeah. you know.
1: Something else I feel like is coming from you, and hey, look, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, to be loved, it's like you have to uh, accept the fact that you're gonna be hated too. You have to have the courage, because you're saying, I don't want anything vanilla. I'm not, I don't want to tweak it and have a committee of seven. And I'm only
0: saying that, because I've done that yes, mistake, exactly. I've made vanilla, Yeah.
1: and i fucking hated it, yeah. and I've hated myself for and, allowing and, to do it. And no one really, yeah, and people don't go mad about the vanilla. I guess what was great about Trigger is a lot of people would have thought this is bullshit, you can't do this, this is outrageous. Surely that's good
0: art that, that polarises people. I don't give a fuck, well, it, honestly don't give a fuck, I'm much more upset when I've made something that I've just thought, oh, do you know what, I took my foot off the pedal there. And sometimes it's because you don't want to be a wanker. Mm. I'm yes. downing it. Sometimes it's like you think, oh, my God, I, you know, I've been given all this opportunity and I I don't want to be rude to all these people that really mm. like what I'm doing. And actually you think, oh, fuck that. Yeah. You've got to keep control of it. You've got to keep your foot on the pedal. And yeah, I'm more offended by making vanilla stuff mm. than, than not. So... I don't know. I mean, I'm an absolute perfect working example of how not to do your career, (laughs) how not to proceed in comedy. But I've made great stuff and I've made shit stuff. But I I know what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. So you say you're a classic example of how not to. But surely
1: because of that, you're surely you give people the courage to question if they're going down a road in their life that they don't want to. Because you've taken some risks and you've tried some stuff
0: and you've tried to have some fun along the way. Definitely. I, I, I mean, I've failed massively in so many parts of my life. And do you know what? I kind of, probably because I'm an ex-Goth. Well, I'm not an ex-Goth. You're never an ex-Goth. No. I kind of revel in that. I kind of love beautiful failure. Like mm. I, and, and sometimes my failure has been just because I did something for the money, and that's not beautiful. But sometimes I try to do something so weird. Like when I left Trigger uh, and I went to the BBC, the first thing I did was a, a chat show. And like my whole point... My whole thoughts about people that had a hit and then went to the BBC was they ended up becoming wankers. You know, like you get given a chat show suddenly. Why would I have a chat show? So I thought I'd make a chat show called This Is Dom Jolly. And the whole joke was I just was a wanker, mm. out of control. I was playing at what I kind of was worried about being. Yeah. But instead of calling it This Is John Dolly, I just called it This Is Dom Jolly. Mm. And I put glasses on. I just assumed people would know I don't wear glasses. Yeah. So for me and my wife, it was really obvious <laughs> yeah. it wasn't me. So when I made it, the whole point was I wanted 20% of the people to think, oh, my God, this guy is a car crash. Mm. And 80% of people think, oh, my God, I know what he's doing. Actually, I think because even though I was in every scene of Trigger Happy, no one really knew who I was. Yeah. I think 80% of people watched it and thought, oh, my God, this guy mm. is a massive wanker. Yeah. Now, I was totally playing a role there, but it completely backfired. But I loved making that show. Yeah. It was so weird. and So my no regrets in that. you It
1: doesn't really matter that the world didn't understand it. Well, there probably are regrets, because I'd love to have done more of it, mm. but I love that we know, went for were, something really weird. Have you read about that on Wikipedia? No. Because even Wikipedia don't get it, and they don't really... It, when you read about that on Wikipedia, they're confused oh, but I wouldn't about read,
0: that. Uh, but no, Wikipedia but, doesn't fucking understand it. No, 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 no. I, mean, yeah. I mean, I write most of my Wikipedia, so yeah. I probably haven't understood it. Mm. I, I Who who knows what that was? Mm. But I had the best fun ever. I had this live show where I had my favourite band. I had The Cure on. They're like, i was a goth. I had The Cure came on the cure in on the joke. So halfway through the, the the cure playing a song, I wandered on stage eating a sandwich and asked him these really shit questions, which yeah. you'd never asked Robert Smith. And then I'd get the cure fan club slagging me off even though mm. Robert Smith knew, you, you know, I mean, it was, it was kind of a bit up its own ass, but
1: God, I loved it. Yeah. So, and yeah. do you think that, that line between trying and risking stuff that ends up failure is also the line that has made the things that you've done well be good?
0: Oh I don't, know. I
1: don't answer that yet because I'm just gonna finish this one okay. because that phone's about to die
0: and I don't want him to see it. I'm gonna really. get another glass of wine as yeah, well. Yeah yeah sure, let's do it. Excellent. Do you want to ask uh, we can go out and get you one? No, I'll get I'll get one just. Hiya? Sorry, it's just he's just shouting out there, so. Hello. This'll have to have the E on it, won't it? Oh, <laughs> yeah, they've all disappeared. I'm looking for my glass of wine. Hello. Hiya. Hey Josh. Is there any way I can get another glass of wine? Sorry I asked for one but I'm stuck in here Sorry, uh, and there's someone following me with a camera and it's all a bit weird.
1: <laughs> Sorry, crazy, it's not open, so...
0: Uh, it's, I it's a large glass of Viognier, I think. I can just
1: reorder you're it. stuck in right? here
0: like it's a prison. I, yeah. It is a prison. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I'm talking nonsense
1: now, it's mm-hmm. quite fun. As long as you're enjoying it, I'm enjoying it. So. Nothing I like better than to
0: talk about myself.
1: <laughs> so, um... Do you watch documentaries? You, oh
0: God, into that? I'm just obsessed with documentaries. Yeah. I mean, I hate comedy. I'm not mm. into comedy. I'm not into drama. I, all I watch is documentaries. Yeah. I'm totally obsessed mm. with documentaries. So that's
1: something else we have in common. Oh, really? I, I love watching documentaries on people. Yeah. Like, all walks of life. Yeah. I mean, I, for the last 10 years of my life, what I've been trying to do is study people who are successful and sometimes not in the perceived way, just to see what I can learn from get inspired by them. And I watched... Alexander McQueen documentary oh my that God, just came that.
0: out. Be, isn't that incredible? Oh, it moved me to tears.
1: Yeah, and of actually, course. I mean, I was two days away from being 40 when I watched that and yeah. I watched that literally last week. I thought oh, that... You,
0: you wanted oh, it? lovely. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. Sorry. No, no, I wasn't. Apologize. That's all right. Please, yeah. see. I'll have a fire. Then, <laughs> um, that was really weird. And actually, he was a great example. Let me shut the door. Mm. He was a great example of someone sort of who knew what he wanted to do really early on. Yes. D- and had no background in it. Mm. Realised he was amazing at it. And in the end got kind of killed by it. Yeah. Like because he got you know, he was so unhappy because I think other people when he went to Givenchy or wherever yeah. he went, yeah, that's an amazing example it is. of that. Except yeah. he's different because he he was someone very like clearly talented, mm. knew what he wanted to do. And from not like he wasn't just given it as a kid. No. That was an amazing documentary. Yeah. I never yeah. understood it because I kind of like most people think fashion what the fuck yeah what are you doing dressing as, a, as an ostrich and stuff <laughs> but those shows them were was was fantastic that, was, theater, that right?
1: was that was art it was art in yeah. fashion form i totally agree yeah. and it
0: was something taken really in a trivial sense so in a, in a tiny way that's the way i look at trigger happy trigger to me sometimes is art really yeah. like when we first started doing trigger and we do these weird scenes when i say we it's not a raw we it's me and sam i made mm. it uh we'd suddenly, we'd get to a place and start to film it, and there'd always be this fucking stencil saying, this is not a photo opportunity, and it was Banksy. Yeah. And Banksy had just started as well, and frankly, like, I mean, I'm, there's no way I'm as good as Banksy, but there were things we were doing that was very similar to Banksy. It was just sort of weird, surreal stuff. But Banksy was selling it for 50 million. Mm. And yeah. we were like on Channel 4, and I was like, fuck, I
1: should have gone into art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but hey, a lot of people are doing similar things to you in their own artistic way, and they never got on Channel 4. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I loved it. I mean, I've had a great life, so mm. can't complain. So the thing I wanted to talk about with the documentary um, was I've, one thing that really stood from me from that, well, there's a lot of things, obviously, but he said... I want people to feel something. I don't want anyone in the middle in my I totally shows. I that. want them to
0: love it oh, yeah. or hate it. I'm definitely with and that. There's that nothing worse
1: than can, sort of don't care. No. Yeah. I'm and totally and then with that, that, you know, like that middle ground, like you said a vanilla or no man's I land. Hate yeah.
0: I'm totally with that. And I think maybe that is an important thing. It's the same thing that I feel with music. I'm really into my music mm. and and it's like I I, I either want to fucking hate an album yeah. or love it. Yeah. But the worst thing is to put an album on and then People start yeah. talking like, yeah. because they're not even listening to it. Yeah. It's like, fuck that. What know? do you yeah. find
1: with the best albums? Like, I'm into bands like Radiohead, Porcupine Tree. I'm into quite a lot of metal. The, band, the, the, the albums that you don't quite get first time round, at, mm, but then the, you go deep into the album and then all of a sudden, wait a minute, where did that song come from that was really good? And then you, you like the first few songs, but then a year later you listen, you like the last three songs, as opposed to, you start it it's a few chords it's nice and
0: yeah. catchy and then you're bored of it well i've got two things in music i mean firstly i have a i think the one difference i have to all my friends that are real music snobs is that i i love music but i'm not a snob so mm. i love that moment when you put a song on it and it just gets you so much yeah you want to hear it again and yeah. again but i can have that with a Kylie minogue song mm, yeah. as well as a nick cave song i mm. mean actually and they work together so that works but you yeah. know what i mean so I'm not a music snob in that way. I don't think it's... I've got friends who... I'll put a song on, I'll say, do you like this thing? Oh, mm. fuck, it's amazing. And then you tell them who it is. And because they're not cool, it's like, oh, fuck that, yeah. that. That I hate. Yeah. But there are also things, as you said, that I often think about Desert Island Discs, if I ever did Desert Island Discs. What are the songs that... Because there are songs that... There are those things you just play and play and play and then they go. Yeah. But there are certain ones that still... I remember when I was 18 and I still put them on mm. and they're still amazing. So... It's kind of resonance, but also music's a lot about that it represents what you were doing at that time. To me, they're markers of things. Well, it stirs your emotion, and then the emotion creates the memory. It takes you straight back to something like Like that. Like, if you played
1: Pearl Jam, Jeremy, I will instantly cry being dumped by my girlfriend when I was 15 years old.
0: Yeah, I mean, I had the Psychedelic Furs, who, like, they're a band, they just remind me of, like, my parents divorcing, and Mm. but I love them anyway, like that, The Cure... Like, they were just totally me growing up. But then I became friends of Robert Smith, which was yeah. fucking insane. And yeah. he ended up in my sitting room at home with me trying to take down pictures of me looking like him <laughs> right. around the room, yeah. which was like Alan Partridge. And then in the end, four in the morning, he's pissed in my sitting room. And I'm like, I've got to go to work tomorrow. Mm. So I had to kick him out of my own house. So, <laughs> like, I love all that weirdness. about yeah. it. Really. And then Bowie, I was obsessed with Bowie like everyone was. And yeah. I met him once at Geneva Airport. And all my life I thought, what would I say when I met Bowie? I just mm. I just became like a gibbering wreck. I think I asked him about his teeth or something. <laughs> was just like, What are you doing? Mm.
1: Uh, so yeah. So I think something that's coming up a lot in this conversation is or I perceive it is risk. Um so I think great music is when an hour a, a you know, a band maybe takes a risk and doesn't play
0: four chords over and over and over, you know, they I don't think it's risk. I think it's I think it's about it's probably why you like the music you like. And I like it. And you only realise it sometimes. In the end, like Nirvana, I never quite knew why I loved Nirvana. And then there was a moment when they did Nirvana Unplugged. Mm. unplugged and uh, there's a song, How Do You Sleep, yeah. at night. And there's just one moment where he kind of does a visceral howl. Mm. And like you think, you can't fake that. yeah. And he looks straight into the camera. And his eyes, like, literally you can just see straight in. And you're like, fuck, that cliche, you mean it, yeah. man, sort of thing. Mm. And I just think all great stuff comes whether it's like your taste or not comes from when it just is something, you're not doing it for money. You're not doing it. You're just doing it because this is just what you have to put out and Mm. that is what's great. And Mm. I think less and less you get that because it's more difficult to get signed as a band to do that. It's more difficult to get money to do that. As a comedian, it's more difficult to get shown to do that. You have kids, so therefore it's like, that's all very well to have your primal scream, but you've got to fucking pay the bills. Yeah. So yeah, it's about keeping your voice. Mm. And I think, maybe I might be wrong here, but
1: like, because if I look behind what you've just said, I think that's about courage. I think that's about courage to do things your way without letting external influences get in the way of that. So uh, I don't know if you're into Rage Against the Machine, but to well, me, oh you know, he sung a different way. They played a different way. Tom Morello, very distinct guitar style. And, and you know, that probably was, it was quite courageous to do something like that. Radiohead in Kid A, they said, we're not gonna play chorus, verse, chorus, verse. We're gonna mess around with that. As soon as they get popular, I wanna get unpopular.
0: But in a funny way, I would argue both those things because Radiohead in a way represent Something I almost dislike about Britishness is that, like pop, you know, supposedly we're all supposed to hate Coldplay, yeah, because they're like Coldplay and they're free trade and Radiohead are totally artistic. To me, there's something. I mean, I went to school with Radiohead weekly, anyway. Mm. There's something very like self-destructive about being British. Yeah, they're like, oh my God, we're so popular now. Let's, let's be fucking, Let's try and get rid of our fan. We're so embarrassed yeah. by the whole thing. And I get that, and I like but but that. But that makes them who they are. No, no, I love them, and I love the fact that they want to stay credible yeah. and artistic. But there's also something very brave about being Coldplay, who, yeah. frankly, their first album, fucking amazing. Oh, and the Trouble, second one. Second, yeah. all yeah, that I, good. I agree. Now, there are bits of Coldplay I don't like now, and I hate the whole fair trade and I'm married to Gwyneth Paltrow, but I love a band that have the fucking balls to say, you know what, we're not going to suddenly go into our fucking acoustic jazz album now. Yeah. We're just going to keep making fucking yeah. music we love. So it's that snobbery thing that I... Yeah, I think you're also
1: talking about courage, because I agree, because I, I used to be very much into progressive music, metal or rock, and a bit really of... What Prog rock? Um, well, a Porcupine Tree. really right? yeah, um, yeah, a little bit, but that's
0: a bit Early before Meridian. my time. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, so, so that's really Meridian um, now, hours, so that's where you got to be. Right. If you really don't care about credibility, that's where you got to <laughs> be. <laughs> I'll have to check them Honestly, Fugazi, so. Script for Adjuster's Tear,
1: yeah. go for it. Okay, yeah. Um, He's not agreeing with me. No, no, no. uh, No, he's um, not. I am. (laughs) So, I think there's a lot of courage to both not become popular music, but also to become popular music. So, like, when Muse got quite popular, it pissed me off a bit, because they were very, like, rock and who they are but actually i respect a band who want to fill stadiums
0: and that's what they want to do and that's where they want to go and but there's also a thing you're probably like me that if you're a real music head and you've got a band you love you kind of want everyone to hear them yeah but then when they get big you're like you kind of think Fuck, th- this was my band yeah yeah and yeah. suddenly so it's you like, own them and yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and suddenly it's like oh everyone But that's a so. paradox isn't it of course it is yeah and if you're the band you're like listen great Respect to you for liking us, but we want to sell a fucking yeah. state, which yeah. you can't
1: blame them for, no, and I not. think that takes courage as well. No, like elbow the same, yeah, yeah. really into oh, early elbows. elbow. Fuck,
0: I love Elbow, and um, yeah, I like all Elbow, yeah. You know, what I love about Elbow is that when you look at an Elbow concert, you look at men that, frankly, in the stadium and they're doing something like Some Riot, which I think is one of the greatest songs mm. ever written, and it's this sort of northern. That guy basically singing a beautiful song yeah. and you just these people that normally would be punching the shit out of each other a football match <laughs> yeah, yeah. weeping at this and i just yeah. think that is fucking brilliant yeah. i love LB fugitive motel like yeah. that song yeah that's a piece of art of course it is yeah. a piece of art. They're, they're, i love them and i love the fact that they're a proper album band in that they were going for ages you know yeah. they've grown they're friends well they're i got friends. into them in the very first album yeah 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 uh, you got good taste. Mm, thank so, you.
1: There you go. Cool. So I'm sure, should check out Merillion. No, I am going to. Honestly, I am going for to. Yeah, but uh, like I'm, I'm not that experienced as like an interview kind of guy. So it's kind of hard to keep the conversation and that's remember right. Merillion. What were they? The first three bands and do the questions that's right, that's and right. let you get pierced. I'm going to get pissed. Yeah, anyway, right. And you want us to walk around in a minute, don't you, as well? Oh, okay. stagger around. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, nodding and doing so pathways. i'm trying to dr- i'm trying to drag out this theme and i'm not doing it Sorry. very well but that's about this risk thing i think what well, i perceive that um you've been prepared to take some risk and be- and been prepared to fail
0: i was all about risk because i didn't see it as risk i was just all about wanting to do i couldn't give a fuck i just wanted to do what i wanted to do yeah. and i didn't know whether it was right or wrong but it just made me happy and i'm like a i'm just i'm, I'm a sort of uh, I'm an instant gratification guy. Like, Ooh. I just wanted to do this and enjoy it. But then the problem is you suddenly make this stuff and you think, fuck, suddenly I made massive amounts of cash and I was yeah. famous. And I was like, fuck. Uh, how man. was that, by the way? I, it was awful. Like, Hi, right. I mean, now I'd love to go back and kind of appreciate it because I didn't. Anyway, that's way more complex. But the yeah. point is you kind of suddenly think, oh, my God, this has happened. And then you think, oh, I've got to keep this going and stuff. And that takes it. All away, so basically, failure breeds art. That's mm. the that's I think. What we're going to, I don't know what I'm saying anymore, but I just now I agree. Yeah. I, th- I think that failure or hunger is what you need. Like, you know, poverty bre- breeds art, failure breeds art, cold breeds art. If you go to any cold country, this is another odd dynamic, but if you go to Iceland, you go to weird towns in Russia, you go to somewhere really grim, it's fucking shit, but mm. there will always be an amazing bar. They'll probably be a great oh, sh- band. Oh, nice, sh- that's right. It's waterproof. <laughs> hey, so I can afford it. Look at that. He's trying to do it. Basically, cold fucks you. I don't know what I'm talking about. Today. No, I don't. Just, <laughs> that made me laugh too much. <laughs> right, I'm charging you for that. All right, no it's waterproof. Yeah, but cold does. Like, go to a fucking hot country. I was a goth, yeah. So you have goths in England who were like Robert Smith and all like. Oh, I'm very you know unhappy and reading yeah. Baudelaire. Goths in America became Marilyn Manson and actually even the people who did Columbine. But Goths in the South of France, you don't get art in the fucking South of France. Yeah. Because what are you going to do? You just go to the beach. You're not yeah. going to sit in your basement and write a great poem or whatever. So I don't know quite what I'm saying here, mm. but if you really want to do some great art, go somewhere cold, not great advice. But. Do you think that's because it, it, it um, spurs some kind of big emotion in us? Maybe? Well, no, it's because it makes you insular. It, like I've got right. a friend who lives in Newfoundland and stuff, and I think if you're really you know, if the if the outside is really hostile and cold and you're having to internalize and you spend all winter in one right, room, yeah. you start to think a lot and you start to write stuff down. Mm. If you're living in the south of France, fuck it, you just go to the beach and yeah. get pissed. Now, you can have a lot of fun but you end up with Wham Club Tropicana, which mm. is a great song, but it's not art.
1: Yeah, I've never heard anyone say that, but.
0: I know, like, but it's probably because I'm wrong. No, but I think it's probably
1: because um, you're, I think you're a very creative person. Yeah. Do you have like creative, like. Burgers. Yeah, or or ways to get creative. So you like sitting up
0: there writing, but are there ways that you can get into this creative flow? Unfortunately, it's normally this, yeah. which is uh, something very odd. I used to think, I used to not be a massive... By the way, for someone listening, this is wine. Oh, this wine. is booze, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Booze and we drugs? get a cloth? Because that, that water is just ever so slightly going your way. Okay, for someone listening, that's not my water for a start. No, I just spilled water everywhere. <laughs> Rob just urinated on the table. And it's a way to try and put me off the interview, but I'm totally cool with it. Like whatever rocks is in this thing.
1: So, so I, I, while we're getting that water, so like. Mostly in my podcast, what I'm trying to do is... And what are um, you trying to do? Yeah, I'm trying to reverse engineer what's made successful, interesting, unique, different people. Are you unique, trying to work that out for you, Were you trying oh, to genuinely definitely. work it out for someone else? No, no, me, definitely. Yeah. Like, if I can't get my own benefit out of my own show, why am I doing it? So,
0: Because I've, I've got the best seat here. Because the truth, I genuinely think, is that, you, you know, it is interesting what you're doing, and I've thought about this stuff, which is why I like the idea of this show. Mm. But actually, you don't fucking know, and if and if you. But you've got to keep looking, surely. You do, and unfortunately, the real truth is you only ever know after the event. Yeah. Now maybe you can use that, and I do think that ten thousand hours thing. I keep coming back mm. to. I do think experience. Oh, thanks, Bella. Experience is the is the thing you learn the most. Yeah. And and, and it does make you, whether you know it or not, realise oh I've done that before and I have made that mistake and you just instinctively can do things mm. better. But I think that only works if you've dedicated your life to one thing, because yeah. that's where that ten thousand hours. But you have is. to start somewhere, don't you? you have to start hour of, of course hour you one. do. Yeah. yeah. So I suppose the only real advice I've learned, you know, in thirty years in chambers or whatever, is is just keep doing it. Yeah. Right? And and if you can afford to keep doing it and keep going at it, you will get better and better at it. Mm. And and it's you'll be able to fake it. But, yeah, yeah. You know that's
1: what it comes down mm. to. Mm. So um, I'll. I wanted to talk to you because I felt like I wouldn't get what I get out of a normal interview with someone who's been successful in their art and is reverse engineering success. I was quite scared coming down here. Were you? Yeah, because I- It's pretty uh, yeah, down getting down rough uh, down
0: here telling yeah, the that, That's exactly yeah. what it was.
1: Yeah, Because I just, I knew you'd run rings around me. I'm which, <laughs> not
0: running which, rings around you. I which I, this no, which really I've really ring- enjoyed, by I, the way. I mean, I find it really interesting talking about something that I am the living embodiment of Of not doing like Mm. because I've had a brilliant life like if you told me when I was 18 what I've done to now Yeah, I would bite your fucking hand off because I've done all these different things And I wake up most mornings thinking Fucked up what I do, but that's like in smaller ways because as you succeed in things You're that's the other thing. I found really weird You can spend 20 years on 20 grand a year. Yeah, and you're totally happy with it Yeah, like if you have one year you suddenly get a 40 grand a year Fucking, you get used to that very quickly, and again, that is a real uh, stopper to going to thinking. Oh, so I could keep doing shit at forty grand a year, or if I just said fuck off, all of you, start again. It's very difficult to do that to go back. So those people that again, it comes back to that thing: if you've got a comfy job, but you've got a great idea, and you think I really believe this, it is difficult to like leave your comfort and like follow your beliefs if you've also got family and kids. It's not your choice anymore, and I keep coming back to that, but I think that's a massive thing for people because mm. it's not, you know, it's difficult enough for you to, like, go, oh, I'm taking a big risk. But you're taking risks for people that are, like, it's not my choice. It's, like, whether you do it or not. And I think yeah. that's a huge thing that I've learned. Mm. It's, like, I should have been gay. That's what I've realised. Oh, right. It would have been and much now, now you've just told everyone. No, no but no. that would have been better yeah. because if you're gay, fantastic. I've got no kids. I can just pursue my life absolutely even-handedly. And, you know, or not gay, But like it's so it's
1: so easy, though, isn't it, to look at other someone else's life, project out all your fears, insecurities, and what you didn't achieve, and assume that they've achieved that. Because, like, you just a few minutes ago said that you, you enjoyed this conversation. I think because if you're able to have a conversation and look at your life, talking to someone who's trying to pick out all the good parts, you probably don't sit up there every day when you're having a glass of wine going, oh, look
0: at all the good parts of my life. No, I you're don't. You're probably
1: looking at all the things that have gone wrong or what you... Do you see what I mean? Well, no, so, I never...
0: I never even. I mean, even the fact that you've got the word entrepreneur in your podcast made me excited because, like, the last thing in the world I am is an entrepreneur. Because, like, an entrepreneur to me immediately, it, it's really weird. It's that word. I think you are. You see, it's interesting. I had this very discussion with someone the other day. who said you are an entrepreneur because yeah. basically you've managed to. You just don't want it labeled as no to wing it by, yeah. but you've made your own yeah. work. To me, entrepreneur means immediately someone that's got a stable financial right. thing and i do not i'm yeah. so unstable financially i'll go one year i'll make a shitload and i'll spend it and great next minute like right now i'm worrying about fuck. where am i going to get my next money yeah. from so an entrepreneur to Wait, me to if, a
1: lot of people that definition is exactly what entrepreneur means i suppose to me an entrepreneur is someone that actually
0: knows what they're doing business wise right, to yeah. me it feels like it's someone that is a business head yeah so i'd love the quiver i'd like a twin brother who was like an accountant, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. like a really dull twin brother? That'd yeah. be my ideal, and we'd be the jolly twins, yeah. <laughs> and I could do. And all you'd my have a lot more money, yeah, yeah. But I'd probably have, you know, but I would have a lot more money. Like I've got friends who've done exactly the same as me, and they've saved all their money, yeah. And they're all like, "Oh, look at me! I've bought mm. a little place there, and I know I've got my pension plan." And I'm really jealous of that. But on the other hand, they've had a fucking boring life. Yeah. I've had an amazing life, mm. and I could be knocked over by a bus tomorrow. Yeah, so. But you, you said that somewhat flippantly. I wish there no, was I'm like
1: not. a. No, in terms of the twin oh, bit. So not flippantly. Uh, no, no. So not, I should okay. have married him Yeah, yeah. That's what I really. 100%. Beca- <laughs> like the, um, another documentary, if you want to watch, is the, the one on Valentino. Which, oh, um, Ooh, i it's seen just that one. called It's just called Valentino. Great name. Um, and Thank yeah, you. it's great. And obviously, well, obviously everyone, in business. Um, he had either. a business partner for 45 years, and most people know, don't know who he is. That's he was the moi moi, you know, and he was doing but the sketch. He's a massive diva. But that's
0: why it works. That's the secret. And that's why, guess. You know, I am I should have married, you know, I love my wife, I really yeah. do, but she's shit. <laughs> like, she is as bad at business as I am. Yeah, and I, I should have married. A so you married, married yourself, you yeah. married a female well, No, no, no. Yourself. we're very different. Like she's very nice, she's Canadian, she's everything I'm not. Right. So she basically, have big bigger cunt I am, and I'm not a cunt, but if when I behave like a cunt. People meet my wife and go, you know what, she's so nice, he can't be that big an arsehole, because yeah. she wouldn't have married him. Yeah. And she keeps me grounded, mm. but oh my God, I should have married a really mm. smart, business-minded accountant, it would have mm. been brilliant. But then I'd probably had a boring life. So yeah. he, that I suppose, again, that comes down to life is what ifs. You could always have your different life, but the thing is, that is your fucking life, it's yeah. what you've done. Mm. And like, am I gonna die and think I should have? And at the moment, no, I'm not. Yeah. I mean, there's possibly a bit more drugs, Possibly a bit more loose sex, but apart from that, no, I'm not. I've I'm, yeah. I'm fucking gone for everything. Yeah. I've never said no pretty much to anything. Yeah. So I can't complain. No. Yeah. And what about next? What are, you, what are you up for doing next in your career? Well, it's difficult because at my age, I'm 50. And again, someone who's into hidden camera or pranks, especially if you call it pranks, there's an age where you can't dress as a squirrel. Is there? Yeah, there is. Could you really, could you bust that? What? That, that, that perception. But it's not even a perception, it's just that there's a level of energy required in just fucking going up to people on the street and asking them whether they want to hold a banana or something. It's like, you know what, and I've never written before, like, properly. Mm. I've written books, and so I've just written a sitcom, just off the back of my head, I just did it, and it's just been um, optioned by working title. And suddenly I'm like, fuck, working title? Yeah, That's a proper film company for TV, though. And I'm like, shit, maybe that is the way I should go. Because for me, I've always been, I've got to riff this stuff. Like, I love that riffing. I love the instant joy of like, I don't know what I'm going to say. And I've made it up and it's Mm. brilliant. And actually I thought, but I do have a sense of humor and I'm not stupid. And I watch sitcoms and I think they're a dying art form. They're shit. They're the same thing every time. And I think, well, maybe I could have a go at it. Mm. So I finally, rather than just slag them off, thought I'll have a go. Yeah. So I wrote one, like a pilot. And that has been optioned. And who knows? So maybe that's the future. Mm. I've no idea. Right. Are you okay with that? I don't know what I'm okay with, really, because I'm (laughs) a show-off really. And I like, I've got an ego, and I like being in it. So I don't know if I could, so the pitch I've got at the moment is like, I've written the sitcom and I'll direct it, which I know I could. Mm. And I'll put other younger people in it. And I think I'd be sitting there going, oh, you're fucking shit. Mm. I want to be in it. So I don't know. Yeah. I've no idea. I honestly have no idea. I have no plan for this. There's no rule book for this. No. There's no one I can go to and go, if you're an actor, like, I think you could go to an old, you know, you'd be in a film with an older actor and say, you know, and they give you some tips. Mm. Who the fuck does what I do? It's like, you know, I want to meet an older squirrel because goes, you know, when I was doing (laughs) prank shows back in the... Back there, you know, this is the mistake. I don't know. There's no one I can no. guide off, but I kind of like that. Mm. So I don't know. Mm. I just, I'd like to live another 35 years. I'd like to be healthy. I'd like to be able to take copious amount of drugs and drink without affecting anything. Mm. And I'd like to... Has that been a part of your art? What? Drinking drugs. Oh, very much so. Yeah. yeah. All great artists drink drinking yeah. drugs. I mean, name me a song that hasn't been written on drinking drugs mm. and I'll name you a John Denver song and it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's weird. I started off, I wasn't a big drinker at all when I started doing Trigger. I certainly never tried drugs, but I've done everything now. And uh, I don't know if it helps or not. It just keeps you alive, doesn't it? It's just different mm. shit. I don't know. There, I mean, certainly you can you can start drinking so much that you think, well, fuck, that's good and it's not. I don't know. It's just everything in moderation. Yeah but also everything in extreme. Mm. Yeah. If I said that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Media, you, re- you talked about TV. You know, in six years, it's going to be different. It's all going to be well, I already. Said, to, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm being
0: polite. I mean, yeah. TV is dead. I mean, my kids, when I, even when I brought back Trigger Happy, I was never going to bring back Trigger. But then I thought, fuck it, I've got all these new ideas of Trigger. Why shouldn't I do it? And I was going to get go a Channel 4 and say, let's do it. And then I look at my kids, and my kids don't watch. You know, my kids, 14, and at the time, they were 12 and 16. My like kids never watch fucking telly. Yeah. So even if Trigger came back and it was a massive hit, they'd never watch it. Mm. They're all on their screen. So I thought, right, you've got to do something that's probably what I'd done in the first time with Trigger. You just do something that exists as a commodity and then you sell it to Netflix or you sell it to, you know, YouTube, you know, put yeah. it on YouTube or wherever it you is. You still so. get royalties and all that for that. For Trigger? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We yeah, sold yeah. it to like 80 countries around the world. Oh that right. It was amazing. So essentially you've created an asset. Well I created a tiny asset because unfortunately it was the very first thing I ever did. So I think I had 6% of trigger which is quite a good deal. Right. But it's annoyed me for 20 years. That, yeah. I mean trigger sold 3 million DVDs. That's 20 million 20 quid a DVD so that's 60 million. I mean basically I'm like I'm very chuffed with the money I made from it but some I put my fucking life and soul into that 3% for for and I'm like someone yeah. Who the fuck are the 94%? Because <laughs> yeah. I've never met these wankers. And and they have did fuck all. I'm sorry. You know you did fuck all. <laughs> you looked right out and there, didn't you? Well, not him. It wasn't his fault. Yeah. Well, it might be. <laughs> maybe, maybe it is. But you know who you are, you fuckers. You've <laughs> you got hands How would you do, di- How would you do it differently now? Well, I wouldn't do it differently now. No, I mean, in terms of the
1: owning the asset and the business side of it. Well,
0: I mean, if I knew what I was doing, you know, in if I'd really been knowing what I was doing, I would not have... I would have literally... Uh, I'd have probably got a loan and got some yeah, at the time. If somehow I'd have got a loan of your asset, I'd have got someone to pay for me to make Trigger, and I would have owned it, mm. which is what I do now. Like now with our production company, we basically normally make our own stuff because you've got you've got uh, faith in it, and then you sell it to people. Yeah. But at the time, who the fuck knew who I was? I didn't know that Trigger was going to be good. I was like, fuck! Someone's paying me to do this shit. I had an office. I had a brilliant time. It was great. But it does like in that in when you start looking back at it, you think well hang on but actually that's even my deal was quite a good deal compared to those people's mm. I mean that's business it's yeah, shit, you know but. Mm. and um, your books yeah uh, is that like nobody a, reads books watching this but books are books are a big renaissance at things. the moment they are weird. Yeah. yeah, books are huge it's yeah. weird my books have actually done very well but I have again it's part of my jack of all trades thing literally uh the people who love Trigger Happy would never read my... This is a very... There's a tiny Venn diagram in which they do. Mm. But generally, most people that watch Trigger Happy would never read my books. And most people that really like my books have never heard of Trigger Happy. Yeah. And that's nice in some ways. But in other ways, it's like the worst commercial decision. Mm. I, you know, Ideally, I should write Trigger Happy the book and it would work and stuff. Yeah. But I love my books. Mm. All I ever wanted to do was travel when I was a kid. When I grew up, I read Tintin. I had a map in my room. And everywhere Tintin had been, I wanted to go to. And I've now been to every place that Tintin's been to. Right. And that's all I wanted to be. And then growing up in Lebanon, foreign correspondents were kind of cool and they looked like, and that's all I wanted to be. So my books are really me being a shit foreign correspondent. Mm. It's like foreign correspondents go in when the war's just about finishing. I'm going in 20 years after the war's finished and writing about it. But I just like going to places that are weird. Mm. And if you could pick one that you you think,
1: People who are watching and listening might like to start with what one would that be? Well, depending when
0: this is going out, my new book, uh, which I'm writing upstairs, the Hezbollah hiking. Well, if you tell us, we'll, we'll schedule it. Uh, May the twenty sixth, my new book, the Hezbollah Hiking Club, comes out, and I basically walked. I grew up in Lebanon, but never really knew Lebanon that well. And there is a walking trail in Lebanon, which is the world's most underused tourist attraction. Yeah. So I I walked from the Israeli border to the Syrian border across the top of Lebanon. It took me twenty six wow. days. Yeah. But if you really want an entry level to my books, yeah. the best thing I've ever done is a book called The Dark Tourist. Okay. And The Dark Tourist, I nicked off this book I loved in the 80s by a guy called PJ O'Rourke, who had the best job in the world. He was Rolling Stones foreign correspondent. Mm. And he wrote a book called Holidays in Hell. And he just went off to Korea when, it was, when there were riots. He went to El Salvador, he went to Lebanon. He just went off and tried to have a holiday in yeah. in danger zones. And I did the same thing. I, went to the, uh, I, I wrote a book called The Dark Tourist. I went to North Korea on a two-week holiday. I went skiing in Iran. I went to Chernobyl for the weekend. I went to Cambodia and went to a war crimes tribunal. Wow. Um, I went on an assassination vacation around America, where I just went to all the assassination sites. That's uh, it generally wasn't she reporting on that? It's not it? reporting. It's just generally that's that I love like, that sort of travelling. Yeah, and I, so it's about me just doing that. Mm. So actually, I think what I love is I think you learn a lot from it. Yes, but I'm not trying to teach you anything. I'm genuinely having a good time, and I yeah. just go and just do it. Yeah, mm. so that's my favourite book, Dark Taurus, Go and right. buy it; it's genuinely good. Mm. And if you can't read, which a lot of you can't because you're listening to this, there is an audio book. Good. I read all my audio books
1: as well. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So um, you said earlier, and we, we got off on a bit of a tangent, which was fine. It's like We've you got know, do a you? Lot you of yeah, <laughs> we have. <something. laughs> just wait for my third glass of wine. Glad if you, glad want you to your said tangent. that. So you said, you know, do you do this for yourself? Of course I do this for all the listeners because if they don't get anything out of this, then it's too much of a selfish act. Yeah, but fuck But that, I do this. you were you this doing
0: this and you were bored, no, that would come across. No, 100%. I do, yeah. I, I, it's I, coming across now, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit. But 100% do this for myself as well. I think if you do
0: the art that you do for yourself and not just for a market, I think that's important. But I didn't even call it art because... It's just life, isn't it? I mean, mm. I mean, I think it's for someone else to call something art, you know, because I kind of, you know, there's parts of me, my egotistical side, I think parts of Trigger Happy is art. Yeah. But I think it's, I'd be a wanker to call it that, but I am. But you just did. Uh, uh, I, <laughs> I know, that's my clever defined way of doing it. But, um, but I just think, really, it's about, can I just, can I earn my living doing something I genuinely fucking love? Yeah. And I think if you can do that, you're happy, mm. and actually that, Comes across, like, yeah. because what's, what's not that's like? what we're buying from people. Aren't we? When we buy music,
1: we're buying their emotion that we can feel. You know, when you're buying a book, you're buying someone's life or
0: journey that they've put, put in a way that we can feel. Yeah, but so it's, it's different, f- isn't it? Because this isn't feeling that's what I always feel. Maybe it's my difference. It's like a book, I get that. If someone writes beautifully, it's really nice. Music, like, you don't really know what that person is, but it just gets you, doesn't it? Mm. Like, someone could be Cambodian and write a great music song. And you don't understand what they're singing about, but if it's great, I'll be honest with you, I haven't had that Cambodian experience. But there was actually, well, anyway, in my book, there was a very weird Cambodian heavy metal scene, mm. which was one of the weirdest things I found when I went to Phnom Penh. Between 1971 and 75, there was this really hardcore Cambodian heavy metal scene that literally went on to influence people like Fugazi. And, wow. But that's so obscure. but yeah, yeah. Mm. But that's different from us just chatting. I mean, mm. really, we're just having a pub chat. Mm. So I don't know if that moves people, but what I like is I'd like some kid or some youth watching this and thinking, oh, I don't want to do And then thinking, fuck, I thought you had to know what you wanted to do before you did it. And that's what I really like about this sort of and thing. And that's not, therefore, this is not just a pub chat. Therefore, no, you've not. made
1: someone feel something. I
0: suppose it is feel. I, mm. I suppose I'm feeling emotional rather than actually practically moving. Like for yeah. me, I used to get really bad panic attacks when I was a kid. And I used to think, oh my God, I won't be able to do anything because of panic attacks. And there's a band called The The who I loved, and they had an album called Infected that I was obsessed with. And just as I was listening to that album, I was getting these terrible panic attacks. I thought, oh my God, I'm never gonna be able to do anything because of these panic attacks. And he wrote in Sounds at the time, he was having these terrible panic attacks. And I remember thinking, oh my God, if this guy can make this album that I love so much, and he has the same thing, fuck it, I can do it. And that's what I love about this sort of chat. It's Mm. like, there is no mystery to being successful or not being successful. A lot of it is luck. A lot of it is just going with it, but just, yeah. just do it. Yeah. A lot of people think, oh, I can't be bothered. Well, you if definitely you can't even
1: make be it, bothered. Just, yeah. That's it. You definitely make it okay. I think, like, oh, someone made it okay for you to have a panic attack, or at least to f- not feel that you're weird and it's wrong. Yeah. You make it okay for people not to necessarily know what they're going to do with their whole <laughs> Trust life.
0: Trust me, I'm the <laughs> poster child. <laughs> yeah. I am the poster child, an ugly poster child for having no idea what the fuck it is. You but want still. To. Doing great things, and but because people offer it still. I mean, I'm lucky. I had a big hit, and that still resonates. You know, so mm. people still allow me to do it. But I mean, i have just just—I'm in Rocky Horror. I'm in a fucking musical. Mm. How the hell did that happen?
1: Yeah, so, yeah, that's exciting. And you—you're okay with how the world perceives your best piece of work to be Trigger? You know, 20 years ago. Like, see, isn't
0: that well, weird? Because again, if someone told me 25 years ago uh, you will be known in like. A lot of the world for like this thing, mm. I'd be like, "Oh my god, that's amazing!" Yeah. But now, obviously, there's a part of me, you know, where even in the the the, the program for Rocky Horror, because best known for Trigger Happy TV, I'm like, "But I've done so much yeah. stuff since." And you think, "Well, that's just ego, really." I mean, I'm lucky to have one thing that people know, mm. and uh, unfortunately, my sort of catchphrase is "Hello," and I still, if I walk out from here, someone will scream at me, "Hello," and I'm like, "Hello," I still don't have a good answer to it. Mm. So yeah, there's a part of me constantly wants to be like, but have you not seen my recent work? It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I'm I'm lucky to fucking do anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, so, that really annoy me. Sorry, <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> sorry, sorry.
1: Um, I always ask the same questions at the end of the interview, and I, I'm looking at these, going, these are shit questions. Excellent. Um, shit but actually, questions. they often get good answers. Let's see about so, that. So, um, best advice you ever got? Oh shit. Really? We're, apparently we're walking outside. Is that right? You, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, out there, yeah.
0: yeah. Should we sit here? Yeah. Okay. So, best advice you ever received? Best advice mm. I ever received? Actually, it was my dad, who was a twat, but he gave me a really good advice, which was, I wanted to be, because I spoke some languages when I grew up, I wanted to be an interpreter, and he said, don't be an interpreter, be the person who is interpreted. Mm. Which is a bit wanky, really. But also, that's also very profound. Kind of is, yeah.
1: Also, don't be a cunt. Yeah, is another one. that's a good one. But that's should um, we, st- we should edit this and start <laughs> with that. Yeah.
0: What's the worst advice you ever received? Um, I think the worst, yeah, actually, the worst advice I ever received was be a team player, be a collegiate player. And I think people see team player. I mean, be a team player means, to me, it means don't be an arsehole to the people that are working beneath you or are helping you, which I totally agree with. But I think a lot of people take team player to be, don't like go with what you think, like take everyone's advice. That's the worst advice you can mm. do. You've got to just, whether you, uh, you know that you're bluffing or you've got no idea, your only hope in most, it's certainly in art, not that I'm in art, but it's like just just go with what you think. No, you Just don't second guess. Just mm. believe what you're doing. Yeah,
1: great. Um, is there anything in the world that you
0: think is really wrong that you want to change? I think the world's perfect at the moment. Obviously, I'd like, to, uh, I'd like Trump to be eradicated, but not eradicated in any physical sense because I'd never get into America. I think he's a brilliant man. I'd just <laughs> like him to be removed from uh, bullying. I hate bullying. I just hate... Uh... Okay, genuine answer to that. What do I think is wrong with the world? Is there anything you sort of feel like you stand for yeah, I do. I stand for anti-bullying, I think. Yeah. That's what I really can't bear. I cannot believe that... Yeah, well, it's such a complex one, I don't know. Because um, all these things I do, uh, I don't bully, but I'm just trying to think what my best one would be. Yeah, okay. I think I just stand for suck it up. It's like people are different. Like why, why are you so... What really irritates me about the world is like, say you're a devout Christian... Say you're a devout racist, like whatever, why do you need other, well, say you're a vegetarian, like great, I'm really happy you're a vegetarian, but why do I need to be a vegetarian to make you happy? Mm. That's why I don't get. I'm really, I personally don't believe in anything too strongly. Mm. But if you believe in something, I'm really thrilled for you, whether it's right or wrong. But if I believed in something, and like say I thought that Labrador dogs were the future of the world and were the new messiah, mm. I think I'd be very happy that I knew that. Yeah. I wouldn't feel the need to come down into Cheltenham and tell everyone and force everyone to worship Labrador dogs. It's like, mm. look, whatever your belief, whatever makes you happy, I'm really happy for you, but keep it to yourself. Yeah. Don't be a missionary. Mm. Yeah, love that. I don't know what that means.
1: <laughs> this podcast called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. Is it? I don't know what it Yeah, uh, not the realistic entrepreneur. <laughs> so that word, what does that
0: mean to you, Disruptive. Disruptive means disrupt, like fuck things up, like have a go, don't go with the flow. And I'm sort of not like that because I'm a confused disruptor because I'm actually quite conservative with a small C. I'm actually quite establishment. I quite like things being stable. I quite like the way things run, but I hate injustice. I hate bullies. I hate people who kind of force their views on other people. So... Disruptive to me means don't go with the norm. Like, mm. just there, there is no norm. What the fuck does norm means? And if something becomes norm, it normally means that a lot of people like it. So probably it's a bit boring, and it's just like a everyone's gone for it. So just mm. do what you want, man. Yeah, that was a terrible. No, that was great. No, it was great. I loved it.
1: No, the, well, that first yeah. sentence would yeah. definitely pick. that all I, the rest. No, no, we're not cutting <laughs> any of it out. No, 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 not cutting any of it out. Yeah. yeah. Um Actually, just quickly before we finish and I want everyone to sort of follow what you want them to follow. Um, Podcasts have obviously got me. Follow Jesus. Don't give him all the followers. <laughs> you, you, we, we all need some. <laughs> <laughs> um, podcasts at the moment have obviously taken a bit of a renaissance. Yeah, um, a bit we, of a renaissance. We yeah. will not be editing this at all. What? Um, no. You're serious? Yeah, serious. What? No. People, uh, everyone who seriously? follows us seem to like the raw, all the things that I fuck up. Oh, all no, all you're No, no, no. You watch, watch the whole head. thing. Yeah, yeah I mean, if you want us to... take so much shit. Yeah, but if you want us to take stuff out... Yes, we will. all of it. <laughs> all of it, yeah. What? No. Are you seriously not it. So, well, definitely not the audio. The audio will just be raw, unedited. All right. Yeah, I because um, that.
0: one—that's uh, another thing. To like, if you're being a disruptive entrepreneur and you agree to do things, read the contract. Have some wanker come in and do, <laughs> like, have someone on your side. I mean, there are four people here. I've got no one on my side. You need someone to come in and go. No, you can't ask Mr. Jolly that because oh, fuck, I fucked up again. No, no, no. I think no. I said I wanted to be gay and was on drugs. No, oh, actually, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, Okay, so um,
1: if I want you to feel like if there's anything you really want us to take out, we'll take out all of it. Okay, fine. We'll take out all of I it. I none event. of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, definitely, there's a big wave I'm finding in the world a of people—a tsunami of people who want raw, unedited content because well, they've certainly got that yeah. If you want but to listen sick to of some
0: fifty-year-old the, fucking swat talk, a lot of shit for two hours. And this is your podcast. Right. <laughs> and there's your trailer.
1: <laughs> but uh, don't you think people are sick of fake news, of everything edited, I hate everything... that word fake news. Sound... But, I, mean, I hate that's that you just what
0: use that word fake news. Yeah, but I use it because they use it. Yes, use but it they're using it gives it legitimacy because fake news is not fake news. No, it's, it's Fake like, news means things I don't agree with, and that's yeah. bollocks. Yeah. So there is a lot of propaganda, but it's not that. Mm. But I, I agree with you. What I hate is when things are edited, and again, it's a bit like... Again, if you edit something... You oh, I could be, make you look away that yeah, you don't want you, to look. Oh, you could make me look like a total wanker, which would be very easy at it, <laughs> or a harder edit would be if I was involved and it'd make me look charming yeah. and really thoughtful. But either way, you'd get totally different views. Yeah. So I agree. I mean, I'm personally all for just listen to me rant on, and if mm. the last four people listening to this would have their own <laughs> opinion about it. No, so I agree with that. But that's not fake news. I mean, that's just reality. Of, sure. How you have to fit something in. But that's what I love about podcasts is like you can just let it go. Mm. And and more honesty, I think. What you could do is have a full unedited version of this. And then you could have two shortened versions for people with busy lives Mm. Dom Jolly the Cunt (laughs) and Dom Jolly (laughs) Philosopher. Yeah, Which
1: would be a very short one as well. But you know, yeah. Maybe we'll do that. I don't
0: think that's going to happen, by the way, he looked at
1: me. I think you're the first person in 330 episodes. My mum's a massive cunt. No, no, that said the word. My, my mum listens to this, so I haven't said the word. What word? Um, the C word. The one. Genius. Yeah. You're
0: trying to get me to say it. Aren't you? I don't know what word you mean. The C word. The C C, see you next Tuesday. Oh, please. <laughs> How old are you? I've no, got no, no, oh I'm 40. Even my mum like, is happy to use the word come. It's a fucking word, like mm. anything else. If yeah. you use it negatively as a, as a sort of aggressive insult to women then you're an idiot yeah. you know? it's like it's just it, Chaucer used it if Chaucer Ooh. used it I think I can yeah that's yeah. a good one. even though Chaucer was a bit dull I'll be honest with you <laughs> and we'll end on that where can people follow you where would you like them to
1: um, track your art your progress that you're, the things you're doing you mean do you like do like social media or? yeah stalkers plenty of stalkers do you do social media do you want do, uh, have you got a
0: podcast coming out I know you talked about your books okay All oh there. I'm plugging them. yeah, yeah. alright <clears throat> alright so I have uh, I've got a, blah, 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 blah. I've made a very good podcast called Earworm, which I think you'll really like, and there's a new series I'm about to make, and you can find that on Spotify and all the usual places that, what does yours go out on? iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, yeah. Um Don't know, Harry, Harry you know. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he's nodding. Anyway, so. go for Dom Jolly's Earworm, With yeah. Earworm, you'll like that. I've got a book coming out called the Hezbollah Hiking Club uh, on May the 26th. And apart from that I'm on social media if you want to insult me because everyone else seems to do on it And is that your name Dom Jolly just on Twitter? I'm Dom Jolly on Instagram on the real Dom Jolly, which I'm not sure why because there isn't a fake Dom Jolly But Instagram <laughs> won't verify me. So it's all very complicated mm. And then on Facebook oh, I guess very complicated I've got a fan page or whatever you'll find me It's fine, but it's 1L mm. Yeah, one thing you said earlier actually just quickly before we finish. One thing, yeah, really I know. Important. Sorry. Sorry But you, you said you stay here most of the day anyway Is that I'm, I'm here every day when I'm in Cheltenham because yeah. otherwise I'm at home and I'm walking my dogs or taking my pigs around and stuff mm. So yeah,
1: this is my office. Mm. So you said quite staunchly. I read all my audio books
0: like oh, yeah, of course Like well, no more Like if someone
1: doesn't it's bad.
0: No, actually Rewind what's incredible is I get people going. Did you actually write your books? And and there is a vast amount of people that don't write their own books. I'm like, what the fuck is that? So of course I write my own books, Mm. but I suppose if you've got a really awkward voice or You've got Tourette's. It might be not great to mm. narrate your own book. But for. it's a lot of time, isn't it? No, it's not. It takes yeah. me a day to read one of It took of them me ones. a week to do one of mine. Not How long are it... your books? Uh, you one, one, one of his?
1: One of them was 155,000 words.
0: What? Well, that took you... me a week. That's then a... I'm <laughs> just the idiot. Who the fuck <laughs> read that book? That's wait. My... 155,000 words? Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Mine are 90,000. I suppose it's not too bad. No, That's no, a no, long book, though. Yeah, but I've got that down. I know I've got to read it. You need an editor, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my worst thing is when I'm reading my own book for Audible, for instance, I normally do it. I'm like, oh, my God, I need to change that. So I start editing my book yeah. while I'm reading it. And then yeah, I get in trouble. But yeah, mm. no, no, my, my, it's all right. You know, mm. the worst thing is that when I write, I can write accents because I travel. Yeah. So I do lots of funny foreign accents. And when I write them, I think they sound good. But then when I read them. I suddenly sound like a 1970s racist, which is <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Yeah. So I, I can't win. Yeah. They really only take you a day to do? No, two days, yeah. I'll be fair, because my voice goes after a bit. But 90,000 yeah. Words, which is a normal book, not your long... But you must be better at reading
1: book. them than me then, because I just, I mess it up a lot.
0: Well, I'm very good at reading, but I'm also reading my own words. Mm. So am I, but I, I mess it week? up. Yeah. What I mean, even, book, even yeah. Like, Let's called flow. Money. Money? Yeah. 155,000 words. Well, I mean, it's not a
1: small subject, is it, money? I mean, if I write like a quick. not travelling the world. No, true. Is yeah.
0: it a good book? It's doing all right. Is it always doing all right? Yeah. Look at that
1: I don't clip. I'm getting judged
0: here now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting interviewed. This is just a long plug for our audiobooks. Look, you, you listen to his book and. And yours. Oh, right. You didn't even do that. Look at that.
1: Yeah. I think most people who follow me already. There you go. Yeah. Um, Dom. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That was great. It a Welcome pleasure. To thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that. Was that. gibberish, but uh, yeah. No, well, I thought it was great. Drunk and gibberish. Yeah, thank good. you. That's all right. Yeah. All right. You got what you want? Yeah.
0: Could we get a photo of you two together?
1: No. Yeah, sure. Did you not take like a load while we were. Yeah, I did. Yes, you yeah. did, without that asking. Yeah, she will. What do you want? Just like one here? One standing up, together. Yep. Yeah, sure. <laughs>
0: You're you to, right to do this. My, my oh, yeah. wine collection. <laughs> Is that right?
1: Yeah.
0: Cool. Great.
1: Thank you, guys. Um, yeah, we, we, won't, we won't edit it. As long Great. as you're okay with no, that, I'm we'll joking. just lob it love it straight out. That. Yeah.
0: Just total nonsense. Yeah, that, that was fine.
1: Um, and we, you'll get Dom the assets when they're done. We'll send you the what are the assets? The you know the audio and the video of it if you want it. So you. I can, don't need it, but uh, I'd love
0: a link to it. Yeah. So that uh, I'll link yes, it on. Fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. But just send me uh, links and I'll link it on. Oh. Sorry, yeah, I'll, just I'll never say it. To it. So that sounds naff, doesn't know. it? It sounds. Sorry. Anyway, thanks, yeah, for thanks for that. a lot. Yeah, thanks a lot, Dan. Appreciate it. That. Thank, you. Nice Thank, you me you. Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Nice as
0: well. to me. No, you're not. I'm taking that. <laughs> by See you later, yeah. Bye.